Mark 16. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. <laughs> you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. God bless the reading of his word. Amen. You can grab a seat. <clears throat> Well, we are celebrating good news today. Even in the middle of chaos, even in the middle of disappointment, even in the middle of questions, even in the middle of not feeling it, we celebrate, which is the amazing and terrible thing about holidays, is that they're awesome, and they're awesomely stressful and awesomely confusing sometimes, especially when they land at very inopportune times in our lives. Like you're going to celebrate a one-year-old birthday party, but you've got the streamers and balloons, and then you've got news that your grandma passed away the same day. Like, how, how do you hold this tension? You're going to a wedding, and you're so excited for your friend who's finally getting married, but then you're reminded of your marriage that is crumbling and failing. Or... A lack of a marriage that you've desired for so long. How do you be present and be joyful and also just be plain sad? And then Christmas comes. You know, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Except you got to spend it with your family. And all the dysfunction that comes with that. And then take Christmas card photos, which are the biggest sham ever. Because 20 seconds before that very nice photo that you got from my family... We are yelling and bribing and pushing and so then Easter comes and you get your Easter best on and then you're supposed to repeat, he's risen indeed. But you feel a little more close or acquainted with the death of something in your life than resurrection power that's supposedly yours today death of a dream that you've held for quite some time, a relationship that you did not think was going to turn out this way, your health, that you had no idea you were going to get that report, your job, which is no longer your job, or maybe it's your confidence that's dying right now. You've just taken it on the chin this last year, and you're just wondering, who the heck am I anymore? And right in the middle of this, we begin to question, what's the point of all this? Why does this matter? And why hasn't God shown up for me the way that we've been singing about and I believe and we're declaring, but it's not present in my life right now. And it's in these moments that we absolutely 
need to hear the good news. The good news or the gospel involves us, thank God. And it comes to us. The news just showed up on your doorstep. But it's not ultimately about us. It's not news about something that you need to do now to get right. It's news that God has done something to make you right. And that is good news. No hoops. No fine print here. Good news is what we need. We find out that God's actually not a part of our story. This is the good news that we are awoken to on Easter. God's not a part of your story. He's not a part of my story. We are a part of his story. He's unfolding his great tale. And Easter is God's heart on full display that he longs to restore all things to himself. Not just to themselves, but to him. And he longs to restory all of our stories that we're not doing great at writing, by the way. If we could just be honest here this morning, some of the chapters that you've just recently lived, you would have never written those. No intention, but they just showed up. Or you just didn't know that the consequences would come this fast. Ultimately, our stories only make sense when we see them woven into God's big story. We're a part of what he's doing. Just like Ryan beautifully declared this morning, everything in the Bible points to Jesus. It's a big book if you've not attempted to read it. There's lots of stories in there, lots of people. In fact, lots of names that you will be very insecure to try to pronounce as you read. But even with all of those people, every story is a signpost that points to God and what he's doing and who he is and the faithfulness that he has bestowed on us, the love that he's freely given to us. Our resurrection stories, those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of you are in Christ Jesus this morning? You've put your faith in him. You have a resurrection story. And even that is just a signpost to point to the greatness, to the glory, to the power of Jesus. Before Jesus rolled his own stone away on his tomb, he made a habit of doing this for other people. We can read in the Gospels, he resurrected a number of people from the dead. Maybe the most famous is a man named Lazarus. Anybody heard this story before? Lazarus died, and it's a messy and glorious story filled with heartbreak and disappointment and questions of why God, why now, and why him, and why me? And ultimately, Jesus tells us why right out the gates. The reason is to show who God is. The reason is to show what he's going to do in Jesus. And I believe that as we hold this story this morning, as we peer into what took place in John chapter 11, I believe it's actually going to help us restory our lives in this season. Some of you are in 
desperate need this morning to hand over the pen of your life to God to author the rest of your story. John chapter 11 starts like this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany. It was a village where Mary and her sister Martha lived. And so the sisters, they sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So right out the gates, Jesus says, Lazarus' story is going to point to my story. This is an appetizer for the main course that's coming. Would you just stick around so you can see it? Don't fill up on chips and salsa just yet. There's a full meal coming. Jesus isn't saying that Lazarus isn't important or that he doesn't care for him. It literally says, the one you love is sick. That's an amazing title to be given from Jesus. The one you love is sick. He has deep love for Lazarus. Lazarus is not a pawn in his game that he's playing of global domination. He is his friend who he loves dearly. The gospel doesn't put us down. It actually just helps put us in our proper place doesn't say, oh, you're worthless, your story doesn't mean anything, get out of the way, just make way for God. No, we get brought into this glorious love by invitation of a crucified Savior. You matter. You matter enough for Jesus to die for you. So that question is answered forever when we look to the cross. You're loved. He cares for you. But just because Jesus loves us, it doesn't actually mean that he's going to do what we want him to. Dang it. Jesus comes on his terms. He comes on his timing. And he comes in his way. Dang it. The request that comes to Jesus is really serious. Your friend's dying right now. And we know what you're capable of. We've seen it. We've heard it. We've witnessed it firsthand. Get here. Jesus loves Lazarus. So you think he would have done his Jesus thing and just like teleported over there right away. That'd be amazing. That's not the story that we get. That's not the story that most of us hold. What's the story that unfolds? Well, the next verse says that he waited for two days, 48 hours goes by. He's a 20-minute walk from Lazarus, and he waits two days. And then after two days, he says, okay, boys, it's time to get going. And they're like, "Woo! all right, dramatic effect. Thanks, Jesus. Let's get going. We're friends with this guy, too. Instead of heading to Bethany, which is this direction, he says, we're actually going to go to Judea over this way which is not this way, but it's this way. And not only is it the opposite direction, the verse before this, the chapter before this, they were just there in Judea, and they tried to kill Jesus and his disciples. Hey, Jesus, are you feeling okay today? 
Did you hear what happened a couple days ago? And do you know what you're saying to do right now? Are you paying attention, Jesus? Are you aware of the situation and circumstance? Or are you just up in your little Jesus fairy tale land, not knowing what you're asking us to do? How many of you have ever experienced needing Jesus to do something and then you just experience delay? And silence. And then a few days goes by and it seems like everything's working in the opposite direction. The stuff that you're praying against fervently is now unfolding. What the heck, Jesus? What's going on? And Jesus makes this habit of refusing to live by our expectations of him. And he won't be persuaded by our negotiation tactics. Okay, look, I promise, if you come through for me right now, I'm gonna give you so much stuff. You can have my vacation home, all right? You can have my first kid, that one's hard. You could, you could like, you could have it all. Like, just please save my butt from this right now, Lord. You can't negotiate with Jesus, but you can put your trust in him. And you can trust that his delay in your life right now will work out for his glory and your good if you stick with him, if you put your trust in him. Even the hardest situations that you're facing right now, Jesus can get glory from them and he can bring about good for you. It may not be the good that you wanted, but it will be good that you need. Jesus finally gets to Lazarus eventually and he's been dead for four days. And then he has to deal with the sisters. How many of you have sisters? Oh, yeah. Keenan knows what's up. <laughs> Sister one comes out. I'm not touching it anymore. Sister one comes out <laughs> and says, Lord. If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. What an honest statement. She's not saying this as accusation. She's saying this as fact. If you read on, she's saying, I believe in the resurrection of all things. I believe you are who you say you are. And if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. Jesus' refusal to live within our expectations is probably right. It's not good to give your kids everything they ask for. And it's probably a sign that he really is God. But it's also deeply disappointing and confusing, isn't it? It stings. Why don't you do something? Why don't you come through for me? I'm tired of hearing everybody else's stories. What about my story, Lord? What about my situation, God? Where's my breakthrough? I don't know. That's part of the answer. I don't know. His delay and his mystery of suffering and uh, the allowance of evil is a mystery that we trust God with. But I do know this. Easter reminds us that he has done something. 
And that's what we celebrate today. That's what we make a big deal about. That's why we sing so loud. Easter is about God doing something in Christ that changes everything, including suffering and evil. These are our greatest issues that we're dealing with. Even though we think that there's something else, there is a root to the fruit problems in your life. And Jesus has said, I've come to cut that off. We celebrate that on the cross, Jesus made this declaration and he said, it is finished. Wow. This means what he says is true and goes. It's the gospel truth. What this means is in our unfinished life, in our unfinished mess, in our unfinished stories, in our unresolved pain right now, we have an eternal hope that is finished, that is secured, that is anchored, and it is at work in you right now. We don't just get forgiveness and freedom from sin. This is, this is good news. This is a part of it. But the better news is that we get Jesus Jesus doesn't just sprinkle forgiveness from heaven. Jesus brings forgiveness in his bodily form into our life. He sends his spirit of reconciliation into our lives and begins to mend it close, closer than a brother, closer than a friend. This is who we get. We get this God. Jesus says in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. I know you want to be saved. I know you want eternity in heaven, but I am eternity in heaven. I am the good life that you're striving for right now. And if there is someone who believes in me, they're going to live even though they die. This is what Jesus says at the tomb of his friend. He's not intimidated by death. He hears its mocking voice, and he has something to say, and he says it on Easter. John chapter 11 and verse 32 to 37, we see this beautiful picture of what real power looks like. Everyone's weeping around Jesus. And this is what the text says. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And then it says the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Do you want to know what true strength looks like? Look to Jesus. Deeply moved in his spirit, greatly troubled, and he weeps. This is our God. This is our Jesus. He weeps and he's deeply moved by what you're going through right now. Jesus is grieved over what enslaves you and wounds you and keeps dragging you back down with and destroys you. He is moved. And we can read this and think like, oh, Jesus, he's just so emotionally in tune. He's crying when people are crying. Like the actual language that's, used here is more mad than sad. Ever seen a mad cry before? Watch out now. This is a different level, even different than sister level. This is something else going on here. The original Greek word that's used here, deeply moved, weeps, it actually means to quake with rage. 
It means to snort with anger like a bull, to bristle like a war horse preparing for battle. I don't know what the picture is you have of Jesus this morning. If it's just this very frail, hippie-like, passive, docile, he just keeps trying to give you like full frontal hugs and you're really uncomfortable and just not there with him yet. I don't know what image you have in your mind of Jesus, but I'm asking you, would you trade it for what's true? What the scripture actually says is that we see him as a champion who quakes with rage over your life that's been stolen and ripped away and he aims to get it back. This is our Jesus. John Calvin says, Christ does not approach the tomb as an idle spectator. Oh, that sucks. But as a champion who prepares for a contest as the violent tyranny of death is placed before his eyes. He's standing in front of a tomb that resembles and looks like something he's going to be placed in. And he's done with death. He's done with sickness. He's done with separation. He's done with the mess that we've made of this. And he's doing something about it. He's done with death in your life, not just physical, but emotional and spiritual death. And he has done something about it. Verse 39, Jesus says, take away the stone. And you've got to love the Bible because then Martha says, the sister of the dead man, Lord, By this time, there will be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. Please don't open that, Lord. I don't know if you've got, like, holy smell-like senses or something, but the rest of us are going to be very offended by what comes out of there. But do you, do you relate to this? Like, do you see this in your life? Jesus, don't touch that area. Can we just leave that capped off? Can you just not go there? Because it's really bad. It's really stinky. It's really hidden away in a dark place. Do not poke on that, Jesus. I can't deal with it. Another person trying to help with their medication and their psychology babble. I can't deal with it, Lord. Please do not ask me to open that up again. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Not the glory of you, not the glory of your situation working. The glory of God will overshadow every pain, every doubt, every fear. The glory of God will come upon you. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face was wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is our story. Maybe a little less dramatic in the physical, but no less overwhelming in the spiritual. Jesus, the resurrected king, 
stands in victory over sin and over death, and he actually stands over every life that is a tomb. And some of us are just whitewashed tombs. Some of us have just made like a very pretty mural on our tomb. Some of us had made, made it out of gold, and some of us have made it out of good reputation, and some of us have made it out of lots of shiny, shimmery things, but you're a tomb until you heed the words of the living Christ. Come out. You cannot unlock yourself from this. You need the one who has the keys, the keys to life and death. Would you stand to your feet with me? Worship team, would you come? For those who are here and you've not put your trust in Jesus, you may not know this, but you're locked in a tomb of death. And you probably feel it without knowing it. You've been gasping for a breath of air your whole life. If I could just catch one more breath, I could make it. If I could just get one big breath, I could get over this battle of depression. If I could just get one more good breath, I could make it maybe another week. If I could just get one more breath, I could get up to that level where then I could wipe out my debt and then everything's going to be okay. If I could just get one more. And Jesus is here today to say, I am the breath of life. Come out. Come to me. No fancy religious ceremony here. If you know, you can smell everything decaying around you and inside of you. Nobody else can, but Jesus can. And he stands over you this morning saying, come to me. Come out and come to me. Come to me and find rest. Come to me. I am the life. I am the resurrection. For most of us here today, we have heard his voice. And he rolled away the stone over our life. And we're here today as signposts to say, I'm nothing without him. I'm nothing without him. All praise to Jesus we didn't come to Jesus. Maybe it's been a while. For some of you, you've been a Christian for a long time and you just need a refresher. You didn't love him first. He loved you first. You didn't come to him. You didn't come to that service. You didn't come and show up to that conference. You didn't come to that camp. You didn't come to that prayer meeting. He came to you and he stood over your life and called out, come on, Annie. Come on, Chris. Come on, Kathy. Come on, Myron. Come on, Jimmy. Come on, Edwin. Come to me. And some of you have come out. And some of you are still wrapped in grave clothes. 
some of you are wrapped around old mindsets and old habits and old lovers and old thoughts and old ways and you've got one foot in the grave and one foot with this resurrection dance and it's getting awkward for you. It's getting awkward for all of us actually. Jesus is saying it's time to take those off. What's interesting is that he doesn't tell Lazarus to do it himself. He tells the community around him, unbind him. You cannot do this on your own. You cannot do this on your own. You need Jesus to unlock, and then you need Jesus' people to unravel all of the layers that you spent so long trying to cover yourself up. The only way to freedom and new life is by trading our story for God's story. He is the resurrection. He is the life. Do you believe this today? Is this what you confess in your heart and with your mouth? He's our champion. He's our deliverer. He's our comforter. He's the one who can't be domesticated or manipulated. He is the one true living God. Jesus is God, the God who enters into our mess and delivers us from death. Have you answered his call? Will you choose today to follow him?